Take your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 13. If there's ever been a time that I pray for rain, it's tonight about 6 o'clock. I surely don't want to make that decision, but I can tell you if I go down and the sun comes up and the sun comes out and I go down, the staff's going down with me, okay? And, uh, but it is, there's an 80% chance of rain tonight. So that date that will be rescheduled is October the 22nd. There are many reasons for that date, but put that down in your calendar and we're looking forward to a great, great time as we do celebrate America and enjoy just all that uh, we had planned this time with everything that uh, was supposed to be here. There are three choices that everybody makes in life that determines the quality of life that they will have. The first choice is the God that you choose will determine your eternal happiness. Let me say that again. The God that you choose will determine your eternal happiness. Number two, the spouse that you choose will determine your marital happiness. And number three, the friends that you choose will truly determine your social happiness that you'll have in life. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26, it says the righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. I want to tell you today that one of the basic needs and longings in everyone's heart is to have a true friend. And so today I want to talk about friends. You say, really? In a a church service you're going to talk about friends? I, I am, and I'll tell you why, because the Bible has so much to say about friends. But I also today want to talk about unacceptable friends. And I'll tell you why I'm going to talk to you about unacceptable friends. Because they can be a great fly in the anointing of your life. So let's talk first of all about the value of friendship. Let me just mention that very quickly. The value of friendship. In Proverbs chapter 27 verse 9, it says, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Now, talking about ointment and perfume is right down our alley for the past few weeks, right? Here's a different verse, and it talks about perfume and ointment. And and talking about that, uh, perfume and ointment, they put forth a great fragrance. They put forth a, a tremendous blessing. But I'm telling you, we better not mess up the perfume with the fly of unacceptable friends. Now, most people do not have an abundance of true friends. I'm serious. Most people do not have an abundance of what I mean by true friends. I have a lot of acquaintances, and a lot of them are wonderful acquaintances. I enjoy them. I thank God for them. I, I mean, I love them, and yet... A true friend, a real friend, is a rare, rare find. Some friends remind me of the Lone Ranger and Tonto. You know, they were riding through the Old West, and 
one day and suddenly they looked up and they saw hostile Indians coming at them from every single direction and the Lone Ranger turned to Tonto and he said man looks like we're in big trouble faithful friend and Tonto looked at him and he said what do you mean we white man (laughs) we all need friends who in the calm they are there we all need friends who in the storm they're there all of us need friends who when the wind is whipping and the lightning is flashing they are there that's a true friend most people do not have an abundance of true close friends and there's a reason for that because true close friends to have them it's a costly thing it requires a lot of effort it it requires a lot of time it requires a lot from us that's why Ben Franklin said be slow in making your friends and even slower in changing them we could talk a long time about the value of friends I don't feel like I need to talk that long about it I think we all get it don't we We all understand the value of friends, so let's move quickly to the victim of friendship. Someone has wisely said, choose your friends very, very wisely so not to become a victim of friendship. So I'm going to give to you today four different friends that can really mess us up. Four friends that can really do a number on us. Four friends to beware of. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what age. You think, man, this is a, I'm so glad my teenagers are here. Or I sure wish my teenager would be here. I'm telling you, this is for every single solitary age that we have. And the first friend to beware of is the friend that I would call the person who is shrewd. Let me give you a biblical example of it, okay? I want you to look with me on the screen and read the verses. It's a story. We'll not go through the whole story, but I want to tell you about a shrewd friend. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Read it with me. And it came to pass that after this, that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister. In other words, she was one good-looking sister. Her name was Tamar. Now it gets a little perverted. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. You can change that word love for lust. He lusted after her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar because she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle, very deceitful, very shrewd man. And he said unto him, Why art thou being the king's son? Why are you lean from day to day? In other words, why are you sad? Why are you losing weight? Tell me. 
And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Now, to be technically correct, it was his half-sister. But Jonadab said unto him, here's my plan. Take my plan. Just lay thee down on thy bed, make thyself sick, and when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I ask thee, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat and dress the meat in my sight that I may see it and eat it at her hand. Now listen, I'm not going to go into the rest of the story. You can read it yourself. It's one perverted story. It's one messed up story because he did it and fulfilled a very tragic sin. Here's my point to you today. Amnon had a friend. He had a friend. His name was Jonadab. You know what's interesting? Between verse 4 and verse 5, there's no break. Do you know why? Jonadab didn't even have to go home and come up with a plan. He was so shrewd, he was so sinful, he was so messed up that he already had a scheme and he gave it to his friend. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says this, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools, a friend who has friends that are foolish, that friend will be destroyed. Did you know today there are hospitals that have people in them because they chose the wrong friends? There are teenagers in jail today because they chose the wrong friends. There are people in hell today because they chose the wrong friends. The prisons are full of people that would tell you, as they have told me when I've been there before, I'm here and I'm in this situation because of my friends. You see, when you run with the wrong crowd, you start listening to the wrong people. When you listen to the wrong people, you start following the wrong advice. When you start following the wrong advice, you begin to emulate the wrong example. And I tell you today, as your pastor, and I warn you today, wise up about your friends. Don't let the fly of unacceptable friends get in your ointment. I'm going to guess that all of us have had a time in our life when that has been a situation. I have. I had a friend in high school. He always had a plan. A plan to run away. A plan to sneak out at night. A plan to say we're going here when we're really going there. A plan to have fun, and I want to tell you, he was a blast. Hey, do you have a friend who shows you how to disobey your parents and get by with it? You have a friend who shows you how to disobey the law? You have a friend who shows you and teaches you how to cheat on your income taxes, and nobody's going to know. You have a friend that shows you how to get money out of a business deal that is shady. 
Do you have friends that show you how to party? And man, it is fun. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says this, Do not be deceived. Can I say that again before I go any further? Do not be deceived. Deceived about what, Paul? That bad company, bad friends will corrupt your good morals. Friend, I want to tell you something. You are known by the friends that you keep. Your best friend should not be going in opposite directions. Your best friend should be going where you are going. And what I mean by that, if you're a child of God and you're on your way to heaven, your best friend ought to be going the same place. Because those who are committed to following Jesus will help you along that path as well. Amos chapter 3, verse 3, put it this way. Can two people walk together except they be agreed? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14 says, Listen, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. And then he goes a step further. He says, avoid it. Don't even pass by it. Turn away from it and pass away. You think you're strong enough to do that and hang with it and go against that verse? You're not. And neither am I. These are those people who have no heart for God. They live for this world. That's all they live for is the now. They're people who are partying. They have wickedness in their soul. It's all about life. It's all about me, 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 self, 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 and sin. And the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, says in Proverbs 1, verse 10, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Verse 15, my son, my son, my child, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, because their feet run to evil. Why? I'll tell you why. Because the people that we are around will determine who we become. And no, you're not the exception. You're not. Solomon lived a wise life, but only for a period of time. I, I don't get it. I don't understand his life. Wise man, but only for a period of time. And something happened. We don't know what. God doesn't tell us, but he took a detour in his path. He took a detour from life. He took a detour, and he got off track, and he began to live for this world. And by the way, he had a whole lot, lot more than you and I will ever have. He was a man who knew how to party with the best of them. He had the riches that you and I will never had. He knew what pleasure was all about. He had things that you and I will never have, and yet he came to the end of his life, and he had said that he wasted years and then he cried out, all of that was vanity, and it was just vexation of spirit. Don't be a victim. 
of sinful friends. Number three, people who are subtle. Proverbs 16, verse 28 says, A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. He is saying here, beware of friends who plant seeds of strife between other friends. Be careful of them. Beware of them. What's a whisperer? <laughs> it's somebody who's subtle. Always, you know, it's always on the phone. Always off in the corner of the church and always whispering. <laughs> Man, I'm glad a few of those people are gone from First Baptist Church of Glen Eskey. I just feel sorry for whoever else got them. You just always knew. I mean, always in the corner, and you walk by, and boy, it was like all the time. Backbiting, gossiping, maligning. Always have a bad report. Always exaggeration. Always seem to have half-truths, and, and judging the motives of why somebody does what they do. Can, can I ask you a question? Do you have the ability to look inside of somebody's heart and know why they are doing what they are doing honestly? Can, can, can you do that? That's pretty amazing if you can. You can't do that, so let's stop sowing gossip and discord and let's run from those people who do always judge everybody's motives. I was reading some years ago about a fisherman. He told his friend that he never had to put a top on a crab bucket. Listen to this. Never had to put a top on a crab bucket. His friend asked the good old question, why not? Why wouldn't you have to put the top on a crab bucket? He said, because every time one crab starts crawling up the side, the other crabs will reach up and pull him back down. If you have a friend like that, that's always grabbing you and pulling you back down, change friends. Love them in Christ, but don't be their bosom buddy. They'll drag you down all your life. Number four, you ready for this one? Those who are self-righteous. Self-righteous. Let me give you a quick example. Quick example. Job. When Job lost everything, he lost his cattle, he lost his servants, he lost all of his children, he lost his health, and then his self-righteous friends came around, right? Right? Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, the self-righteous trio. They were the ones who were telling him all through the book all that they knew in their great wisdom, and they were always right, and who was always wrong? Job. They told him he was wrong in this, and he's wrong in that, and he's wrong in this, and they were so self-righteous. Self-righteous people seem to always think they know it all. But listen to God's assessment. God's assessment was totally opposite 
of the self-righteous trio. God's assessment of Job's friends, those three guys. He said in Job 36, he said, Who is this that giveth counsel without knowledge? That's exactly what he said. That's what God said. But then God gave an assessment of Job. He said he's a perfect and upright man. He is one that fears God and hates evil. That was God's assessment of the three friends versus Job. Totally opposite of what the three friends were saying. Self-righteous people are the most critical people around. Just ask Jesus. They followed him everywhere. Why? So they could tell everybody what was wrong with Jesus. I, I was reading uh, a college report. Listen to this. A psychologist once asked a group of college students in a class to write down just the initials of the people that they didn't like. Some of the students could only think of one person that they didn't like. Other students came up with as many as 14 people that they didn't like. Here's what's interesting. Those who disliked the largest number of people were they themselves the most unliked people. Do you get it? That's the victim of friendship. Now stay with me. I want to give to you last of all the virtues of friendship. What, listen, listen. You need to be a friend to somebody. A close friend. A dear friend. A faithful friend. A true friend. I want to close by giving you a picture of what that looks like. And, and, and I hope somehow, some way, if you're watching online, thanks for watching online today, but I hope you won't leave. If you're here today, I hope you stay. Really, I'll be done soon. But I want to give to you a picture of what a real friend is. Number one, the first virtue of a real friend, a real true friend, is Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. So what does that look like? Number one, companionship. Dale Carnegie, who wrote many years ago how to win friends and influence people, he wrote this statement. He said, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years trying to get other people interested in you. Man, how true is that? You want friends, you make it a life mission to go and love people and care about people. Question, are you a better person because of your friend? Answer that. Are you a better person because of your friend? 
John, or, or Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at all times. A friend loves through th- thick and thin. A friend is there. They are there for you. The poet put it this way, don't walk in front of me, I may not follow. Don't walk behind me, I may not lead. Walk beside me and just be my friend. The virtues of friendship not only bring companionship, but listen, they also bring comfort. One of the greatest examples of a friend like that is Jonathan. You know the story well. David was one who had come in and he defeated Goliath and he became the most popular man, young man, in the whole land. Jonathan became his very close friend, but the problem was Jonathan's father was the king who became very jealous of David. And Jonathan was there and he became close to David, but when the bottom dropped out of David's life, When Saul was trying to kill him, Jonathan's father trying to kill David, David was at his lowest, lowest point in life. And David needed comfort. Jonathan was that source of comfort when David had nothing to give back to him. A good friend gives you a feeling of assurance and comfort when you need it most. Oh, the virtues of friendship bring companionship. The virtues of real friendship bring comfort. Stay with me. The virtues of real friendship bring counsel. Counsel. A good friend will stretch you. A really, really good friend will counsel you, even when you may not ask for it. Mark Cahill has been here a number of times, haven't had him in quite a while, need to have him come back. He's the best soul winner I've ever been around. I mean, he cares about people. It's like that's all he cares about. He cares about it more than food at a restaurant. He cares about it more than his money. He cares about it. I mean, he just cares about souls. And he told me one time, and I think he even told you, that he's a good friend of Albert Pujols. You guys are close to St. Louis. You should know that name. And uh, Albert Pujols was a Christian man, good friend of Mark Cahill's. And Mark Cahill was trying to encourage him to become a soul winner. Pujols said to him, how do I become a soul winner when all I do is stand at first base? You know what Cahill told him? He said, you've got a captive audience every time a guy gets a single. You know what? Pujol said that he began to strive to be a witness playing professional baseball at first base. That, that's a true friend. i tell you what else a true friend is. The virtues of real true friendship will bring confrontation. Confrontation. Hey, stay with me. I'm just about done. But if you, you know, if you tune me out and I can tell it, I'm going longer. (laughs) (laughs) A true friend. A real friend. 
an honest friend will confront you. Yep, he will. You know why? Because he loves you that much. You with me? He'll confront you. How do I know that? Because Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, you listening? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. When you have a friend who is willing to step up and tell you the hard thing, but the helpful thing, you got a real friend. A real friend. A real friend will tell you, man, you ought to stay away from them. You say, that's none of my business. It, it's your business if you're a real friend. A real friend will step up and say to their friend, stay, stay away from that activity, man. You're going to get burned. A real friend will share with you something hurtful about your child in order to save your child. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And I want to tell you, to sharpen iron is not easy. To sharpen somebody's life is not an easy task. It is not easy. And while a genuine friend will never forsake you, he will also never condone your wrongdoing. He won't condone it. He won't let you keep going down that path until you fall off the cliff. A real friend won't do that. Because they love you. He'll always confront you in order that he may change you. Some Christians only care about friends for the fun factor. That's it. Are they fun? Are they exciting? Are they successful? Do they make me feel better? Do they make me look better? Do they make me appear better? <laughs> if so, I want to be their friend. That's not a friend. That is not a friend. Not a biblical friend. The real factor, here it is. Am I pointing that person to Jesus? Am I pointing that person to salvation? Am I pointing that person to heaven? True friends. TV tells us, true friends don't let friends drink and drive drunk. Hey, I want to tell you something. Real friends don't let friends die lost. And real friends don't let Christian friends live carnal. True friends love enough to confront.
I'm telling you, there are a lot of Christian people and they live their lives like there is no heaven, no hell, no eternity because they don't show any care for their friends. It's like this is all there is. Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow I die. And you know it's true, and I know it's true. There are people sitting in churches all across America just like this one, and they live their lives, they come to church, they sing their songs, they bring their Bible, they even read their Bible, but they don't live their daily lives like there's something after this one. True friends love enough to confront. Just ask David. David was living in sin. It's an, it seems like an oxymoron because it says that uh, David was a man after God's own heart. <laughs> and then he's living in adultery. You know why he was called a man after God's own heart? Because he always went back to God. When he was down in the cave, down hiding out in the enemy territory, he always came back to God. He living in sin for a year, came back to God. Always coming back to God. Thank God for David. He was a man after God's own heart, but there came a time in his life where he was all messed up, and he wasn't thinking straight. His sin had clouded his brain, his spiritual brain. Yes, the man who was a godly man, now living in sin, but thank God for a man by the name of Nathan who loved David so much that he went to him and he cared for him and he told him a story and David, because he couldn't see straight, he said, that guy that stole that little lamb, kill him. You know why he said something so stupid? Because people that are living in sin think that way. They don't see straight. Kill a man because he stole a lamb. Nathan said, David, you are that man. You know what that did? <laughs> Turned David around. That confrontation turned him around. Are you a real friend? only if you're willing to confront. And I want to tell you there's a way to confront. Don't be a knucklehead. And go and confront like you're better than he is or better than she is because you're not. Listen to me. We're all capable. Wrong situation, wrong timing, wrong thinking. We can all be stupid spiritually. So how do we confront with love, with care, with compassion? Thank God some in this church are that. And they don't give up. Can I ask you again, is your friend a better Christian today? Listen, listen, listen. Is your friend a better Christian today? than they were when they befriended you.
That's a pretty important question. The greatest example of friendship is Jesus. Even his enemies called him a friend of sinners. He does not love us because, hey, we're pretty lovable. No. He doesn't love us because we're lovely. He simply loves us. That's pretty amazing. He doesn't change us in order to love us. He loves us in order to change us. Some in this room today are starting to stink because the fly of an unacceptable friend is in your ointment. Get it out. Get it out now before you start stinking more than you ever thought you could. That's my sermon. What you do with it, it's up to you. I want to tell you something, and I have no clue, but God is working in so many lives through this series I'm preaching. I'm telling you, let it be your life he works in. Because every single one of us, every time we hear the Word of God preached, I don't care if it's a radio, online, in a service, we have a choice to take the Word, the seed that's been planted, and either let Satan strip it right out of the ground, or we can take that seed determine, Lord, that was for me. I'm going to obey you. I am so glad that you joined us today on our online campus. If you made a decision for Jesus Christ to receive Christ as your personal Savior, or if you decided that you wanted to be all in for Jesus Christ, we would love for you to click the share button so that we can rejoice with you and even pray for you. Thank you so much for joining us on our online campus today, and we trust that you'll join us again soon.